the transfiguration. What a passage. It isn't easy. There's lots of questions. Why is it in some Gospels and not in John, which is one I was asked this morning? What actually happened? How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Did they have name badges on? So many questions. But let's focus on what God's trying to say to us this morning. So this month we are looking at the uh, at worship, what it means to worship. Now if you weren't here last week, I'm not saying it was a brilliant sermon, but what I'm saying is it might be worth just listening to it to give you some context of, of what where we're going with uh, the idea of what it means to be a worshipping community. But I'll just give you some highlights from last week. We pointed out and we made clear that worship, first and foremost, is for God. So, you know, sometimes we come to church and sometimes we go, oh, I didn't enjoy the sermon, I didn't enjoy the singing, that didn't really do it for me. But actually, in one sense, it's not about us. It's about our relationship with God. Worship is an encounter with God. If we look through the Bible, and I use Moses as an example, who cropped up in our reading today, obviously. Moses, the burning bush, was an example of worship, an encounter with God. That moment when we realise uh, the thin places, we might call them, where heaven and earth meet, and we can encounter the presence of the living God. And we also said that everything we do needs to acknowledge the worthiness of God. The offering, the things we do in the service, the tea and coffee, the prayers, the food that we do later, going away from here into our daily lives, all of it needs to acknowledge the worthiness of God. And that's why worship is not just an event that we do on a Sunday morning, but a way of life. Everything we do should acknowledge the, the worthiness of God. So that's a kind of potted summary of last week, and it's on the website available to listen to. But we might ask the question today, why the transfiguration? You know, if we were in a liturgical setting, the transfiguration would have been ages ago. Why today the transfiguration? Well, I believe if we believe that worship is an encounter with God, here we see in the transfiguration an amazing example of worship. An amazing example. Here, the disciples that went up, Peter, James, and John, had an encounter with God. It was worship. And it's an important moment in the Bible. You see, if we look around the different verses, beforehand, a lot of the uh, scribes and Pharisees were questioning who Jesus is, demanding a sign demanding God to become a conjurer, a magician that just performs on cue. And it's typical in the way that Jesus does things if it's just in front of a very few that he takes them to a place where they encounter God in a way that for the reader and for those disciples there is no question over who Jesus is. No question. They're up on the mountain. They see Elijah and Moses 
see Jesus transform in front of them. Wow. Don't you read passages like that and go, I wish I had that experience? I wish that happened to me? Because actually that would just make sense of things a lot more than perhaps they do now. But it's not, uh, it's not a coincidence that it happens on a mountain. If we look through the Bible, there are lots of examples of worship encountering God on a mountain. The Ten Commandments. It's worship. The encounter with God, with God's people. The beginning of the uh, Good Friday story, the arrest, where Jesus starts that journey to fulfill scripture. It's worship. The temple is set upon the mountain. It is worship. The Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives his mandate to those listening. It is worship. And I suppose the question in one sense for us to, needs to be where are our mountains in life? The place where we encounter God. Worship as an encounter with God. We see here very clearly that this is what is happening for those disciples. But there's a warning, I think. A very clear warning that goes with this passage. Is that we can so easily miss the point. You know, I think the very first sermon I ever preached here was about missing the point. I can't remember what the uh, sermon itself was about, but I remember very clearly having a picture up about missing the point. You see, and Peter miraculously, or spectacularly, misses the point. Shall we put a tent up here? Lord? It sounds like a bizarre thing to say. But what he's saying, in essence, I believe, is shall we stay here? Shall we make camp here? This is a good place to be. I love it here, Lord. It's great. Shall we stay here and not go back? Because it's good to be in your presence. You know, the rest of my worries, um, the rest of everything else can just stay at the bottom of the hill, can disappear, can stay there. And I will stay in this tent and be with you. You know, church can be like that. Christian events can be like that. We always used to speak with young people when they used to go to Spring Harvest and, and Soul Provider and say, these are mountaintop experiences. Go, enjoy it, have fun, uh, enjoy the style of worship. But don't stay thinking you always want to be on the mountaintop. Come back into the reality of church, the reality of life. See that that mountaintop experience sustains you and feeds you for what God has in store in the community, in your church. But church can be like it as well. Now we can come on a Sunday morning and it's right, it is good to be here. But it is not good to always be here. It is not good just to express our Christian faith and our worship on a Sunday morning when we're gathered. It's not good just to think that we just 
can just stay here a bit longer and the rest of the world is at the bottom of the mountain and we don't need to face that. It has nothing to do with the tent that we have pitched here. Jesus, well, he just ignores him. He doesn't answer. He doesn't respond. Jesus loved his disciples dearly, but man, he frustrated them sometimes. And you can imagine... I might be wrong, but you can imagine Jesus just going, I'm not even going to consider that. Because it it is more than just pitching a a tent here. I'll come on to that a little bit later. But we read that Jesus, after that, after those words are spoken, transforms. And it's at this moment I really believe that we see an act of worship. Because it's in the light of who God is of seeing who God is, that our only response should be worship. Our only response should be to worship. And I use worship in that broad sense of love, of care. But when we see Jesus for who he is in our lives, the only response we can have is to worship him and to serve him. Now Jesus commands to the disciples to get up. They fall and flat on their face. The light that shone from his face had just engulfed them and they fell on their face and the only thing they could do was worship. Get up, Jesus says. Don't stay there. We know and we love them dearly, who stay in that worship place all the time. It's like they're walking on a cloud, isn't it? They're in a different place. Everything's joy, happiness, and peace. And you want to sometimes just grab them and say, live in the reality. Get up. Look around. There's a lovely song called Kyrie Eleison. Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Um, And the opening line is, Look around you, can't you see? People crying, people in pain. Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. And it's that same thing, isn't it? We could, be, we could be the most pious Christian in the world. But if we don't look up, if we don't get up, then we've lost the point of what it means to worship God. Get up and go. The difficulty is worship stays in the tent that we've made on that mountaintop. We have this idea of who God is. And then we need to respond in worship, but then we have another response. And that response is to go. We encounter God. We respond in worship. And then we respond by saying, what now, Where do we go? Communion is very similar to me to the the transfiguration. It fed them. It gave them hope. Gave them something that they could take and they could go and serve the world with. And in communion we do the same thing. We have the bread and the wine that feed us, that sustain us for the journey that we take 
down out of the mountain, out of the tent, if we were to use that terminology. We see God, we respond, and we respond again. Because worship flows from God. The encounter with God that we have, worship flows from it. So I think we're probably sat there going, that makes probably quite perfect sense. We have an encounter with God. We may not have had an encounter with God, but we still come in that sense of worship. But the question then is, what is our response again? If we were here on a Sunday morning as we are now, and there's a song that we sang that just hit our hearts in an amazing way, and we go, oh, it would be great to stay here. Stay in this moment. Stay in the moment where something's happening within me. And Jesus was to come along and say, get up. What would our get up Would it be get up and go and help with the shop in Fourth Street that we're starting? Get up. Go to your workplace and be my light there. Would it be get up and go and be a light for Christ with your friends? Mike, would it be get up and go and be Christ on the golf course? Even when you miss that two-foot putt? Not that he Would it be get up and go and help with the meeting needs? Get up and go and help with toddlers? Get up and go and help be evangelistic in the city, in the town, sorry. What is your front line? Where is the place that you encounter people who do not know the risen, living Christ? Get up and be there. Is it get up? I've been challenging you for something for a long time and now's that moment. Get up. Stop staying in the safe place of worship because the worship demands a get-up. And let's not forget for any moment, and please hear my sermon last week, the place we go to is still worship. It's still an encounter with the living God. But the problem is, is if we stay in our tents, thinking it is good to be in this place, then we are not truly, truly knowing what it means to worship a living and moving God. What is God calling us to get up to? Now, I know you might look at that passage in Transfiguration and go, Tim, there are so many things. That ending's complicated. What on earth is going on with Elijah and John the Baptist? Um, you know, what happened after that? But I, this morning, just want us to focus almost on those words of Jesus. Get up. It's great to be in worship together. I missed it. When I was on sabbatical, I truly missed it. It's great to be with other churches, and I'll share a little bit later about some of that. It was great to just have maybe a Sunday morning where I didn't rush out in the morning. But there's something about corporate worship that I think is so vital to feeding and sustaining one another. One of my fears of heaven is that we just are continuously singing because it will be terrible. And sometimes in our Christian church services, 
it feels like we are just continually singing, doesn't it? Oh, here we go again, singing, singing, singing. And that's great. We worship God in so many different ways. But there has to be that get up and go. Go and serve me. So friends, the challenge today for each one of us is what is the place where we are in worship? How do we respond to God in that place? May God give us each the understanding of what it means to get up and go and serve in worship.